Let's uh, open the word to Luke chapter 2. Now, as promised, I'll um, give a little talk about Christmas. Um, It turns out it's very, very difficult to give a Bible-based talk on Christmas (laughs) because it's not in there. Um, But I thought I'd start with um, the official... Revival Fellowship starts on Christmas. Uh, It goes, Revival Fellowship members may observe Christmas and Easter as they see fit. The church does not ban general Christmas practices, although neither Christmas nor Easter are part of our worship. The myriad of traditions with which we rub shoulders daily are not recognised as forms of or aids to worship and thus have no spiritual significance in our assemblies. So that's the official stance. But privately, uh, we uh, have our celebrations of Christmas and so forth. They're just traditions. Uh, There's no scriptural basis for these things. And so um, every now and again, I like to give a talk on Christmas to, to make it clear what's going on. And with Christmas, um, you know, I've noticed uh, in the assembly, but also in the world as a whole, there's a complete spectrum of opinions over Christmas. Um, From the one end, there are those that loathe it and loathe everything to do with it. And then you move through the spectrum of people right up to those that love it and love everything everything about it. And so that's in the world and it's also in, in the Revival Fellowship. There are people that have that full spectrum of opinions when it comes uh, to Christmas. But uh, what I've noticed um, in the last 10 or so years in a worldly sense, like through work, I'd, yeah, I'd, I talk to people, they talk to me, what, what our plans are for Christmas, but I've really found in the world the last 10 years or so, people are kind of getting tired of the busyness now, you've got to remember that the, the celebrations of Christmas in the world involve alcohol and they're just tired of the family troubles that come from the alcohol and all that and there's a, quite a few more and more people that just want to have a quiet Christmas, a time with family, a nice meal um, and so there's a little bit of a shift that's happening uh, in the, so I've noticed in the world. Um, but whatever, whichever way we look at it, It is a wonderful time of the year uh, to be refreshed after such a busy year. It's just a great ending to a busy year and then get refreshed and ready for the new year. Uh, But here in uh, Luke chapter 2, we'll read uh, a bit of this. Uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. And it says, And it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, that's all the known world. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. It was an administrative thing that in order to be uh, registered or accounted for taxation purposes, all those that came under the rule of Caesar Augustus had to go back to the city of their birth. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, which is where he lived in the north, out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, 
unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And we know uh, that from the Old Testament. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, uh, his being great with child. So Mary was great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I think anybody will be afraid of that. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And this little passage, uh, like I referred to before, there are so many prophecies in the Old Testament that came true in this little period, uh, this little passage, um, those prophecies. So it was a, a, a wonderful prophetic event, the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, and this joy that, and you can read elsewhere in the Bible, this joy that people had over the birth of Jesus Christ was as a result of the anticipation of what he would do. Okay, he was just a baby, but it was what he would do. And, um, uh, I mean, it says the city of David, a saviour. He wasn't a saviour then, he was a baby uh, in a manger. And it, it's amazing, like, um, as I said before, he, Jesus Christ gave up his former glory to become a man well, he was born in a manger. He was born in a food trough, um, borrowed ground or whatever. Uh, so he became so low and, and his parents were so poor as well. Um, but what was so amazing about this child is what he would do. That is where the joy comes from. And just details of uh, this time that, um, of when he was born, the shepherds, uh, in that time, they would travel to feed the sheep, and then when it's too cold, they would keep the sheep uh, in the yards, and uh, there's no way the shepherds will be out in the field uh, in the middle of winter. Um, also, after it, yeah, it's really after about October that it gets too cold, 
And also the other aspect in this that um, Caesar Augustus would not, for any reason, institute a tax in the middle of winter um, because people had to travel such long distances. I mean, Mary and Joseph and... uh, um, I mean, she was pregnant. It may have taken weeks to walk from the north of Israel down to uh, Jerusalem, uh, down to uh, Bethlehem. So he wouldn't institute a tax in the middle of winter. So we are quite certain that Jesus Christ was not born um, in December. Um, Luke chapter 3. Just one verse here, Luke chapter 3. Gives us a little bit of an idea, and this is what I was saying to, before the meeting. The, the, the timing of the birth of Jesus Christ is shrouded in mystery. We don't really know. Uh, but Luke chapter 3 and verse 23, we get a little bit of an idea. Luke chapter 3 and verse 23. And it says here, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which is a son of Heli, and it goes through the genealogy of Mary there. So the point here is the idea we have is that Jesus was about 30 years old. It doesn't actually say Jesus was exactly 30 years old. It was about 30 years old. And we understand from uh, prophecies in um, uh, Daniel as well that his ministry was about three and a half years. So based on that, he died when he was about... 33 and a half. Now, it turns out that the celebration of Easter that we have is pretty close to when Jesus died in the year. So if you take it back, uh, 33 and a half years from that point, he was born about the beginning of October, end of September. Now, the year, we have no idea the year either. Like, for some reason, God has just made it confusing. Because it's not something he wants us to worry about. He wants us to worry about what Jesus did. Okay? Um, So we've got a rough idea from these things. Uh, There's no date that's ever implied in the Bible of Jesus' birthday. Um, Now, by Jesus' time in the Roman Empire, there was a, a, um, a celebration known as Saturnalia. Um, Saturnalia went for about a week from roughly the 17th of December um, and that was on the Julian calendar. So we've now got the Gregorian calendar. But in the Julian calendar, the winter solstice was on the 25th of December. And so this feast of Saturnalia started about on the 17th and went for a week. Um, It honoured the god of... Saturn, who was the god of agriculture. So this feast, this Roman feast of Saturnalia, was honouring the god of agriculture. Um, And in that feast, there were rituals that were agriculturally based. Um, It was held in the middle of winter, and uh, they also offered gifts and sacrifices to their gods in this time. Um, and in Rome, it was a very, very popular holiday, okay? It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was also a lot of fun for slaves too. Slaves were involved. Um, and sometimes some families would switch it so that the slaves would sit at the tables and the masters would serve the slaves, 
Now, there was a point to that, why Rome did that. Um, houses were decorated with wreaths and other greenery because it's agriculture, growing things, you know, trees and so forth. And, yeah, there was alcohol, there was riotous fun uh, that was had for this week. Uh, wax candles were a common gift, which signified the, the light returning after the solstice. Um, in the la- on the last day of this Feast of Saturnalia, gifts were given to close friends and family of small terracotta figurines. Now, it is believed that though that was a, a custom that came from uh, the old, further olden days of human sacrifice. So many uh, peoples on the earth used to offer humans in sacrifice that the, their gods may bless their crops and so forth. So it's all tied up with that. And also... On that last day, at the temple of Saturnalia, a pig was publicly sacrificed on the last day. But don't we all love Christmas ham? It's so yummy. Um, and so this point of swapping things around with t- slaves sitting at tables and uh, being fed by the masters, another aspect was a mock king was chosen. And the way this mock king was chosen was they'd have a cake with money in it. And uh, the person who got the money was a mop, was like a, acted like a king for the day. And the reason they did this, they switched things around. They turned, turned normality on the head. And what it was was to show people how chaotic it is when um, people aren't of the normal order under the Roman emperor. Okay, Because if you flip it around, there's all these kings and there's, it's just chaos for a day. So to make people realise that order came from the king or the emperor down in the Roman Empire. Um, Just a couple of scriptures. Uh, Exodus chapter 34, just about this agricultural aspect and greenery. And it's actually actually difficult... um, to say, you know, that these are speaking against Christmas customs, but um, they're, they're warnings anyway. Uh, Exodus chapter 34, we have here in verse 10. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 10. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people, I'll do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord. For it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee, or exciting or powerful. Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out before thee the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Take heed to thyself, Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy all their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. And this reference here of destroying all forms of worship of other gods, and it includes their cutting down their groves. And groves are trees, trees that are planted 
as a form of worship for the gods. And we all know that we have trees at Christmas time. Like there's one out in the in the foyer out there. Um, Trees are a big part of Christmas and the Lord's warning his chosen people not to uh, wrap it up into a form of worship. Uh, and even here, he's asking them to cut them down and destroy them. Uh, for Second Kings chapter 22. And so there's a long process here of um, where the, the nation of Israel entered their promised land, took over the land, dwelt in houses already built, um, picked grapes from vines already planted, um, and then the period of judges and the kings and so forth. And we get to 2 Kings chapter 22, and we get to a particular king. This man was prophesied, a bloke called Josiah. He was prophesied by name when uh, the, the prophet spoke against the altar that uh, Jeroboam built. And finally, many decades later, Josiah comes on the scene in 2 Kings chapter 22 and verse 1. Just to introduce, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. So here's this man, this king called Josiah, that is so focused on doing what's right by the Lord. And he, he came after a time of um, where Israel uh, went to worshipping other gods and disobeying God's commandments. We go to chapter 23 and verse 1. Second Kings chapter 23 and verse 1. And the king sent... And they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and with all their soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant, or agreed. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove." And for all the host of heaven, and he burnt them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. And he put down the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah, and in the places round about Jerusalem. Them also that burnt incense unto Baal, to the sun, to the moon, and to the planets, and to all the host of heaven. And he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord. So Israel, by this stage, had decided to plant a garden in the house of the Lord, in the courtyard. And they were worshipping uh, other gods with these trees growing in the house of the Lord. Um, 
So I'll read that again. And he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem unto the brook Kidron and burnt it at the brook Kidron and stamped it small to powder and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. And he broke down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord where the women wove hangings for the grove. So it's another interesting thing there that they had hangings on the trees in the grove. Don't we have hangings on our little Christmas trees? Um, We don't worship them, but here it became a snare. They were planting this grove with nice little baubles and tinsel on the trees in the house of the Lord. And it was completely abominable. And um, uh, Josiah, this, this king that did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, didn't turn from the right or the left, he came in and removed it because it was a problem. Okay, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And verse 1. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. This is uh, Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus Christ. It's kind of following on from where we read before, I guess. Uh, So Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor." And shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Jerusalem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. A ruse, of course, because Herod wanted to destroy him. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, They departed into their own country another way. So this here is a major part of the story of Christmas. And uh, it doesn't actually say how many uh, men there were from the east. Uh, It does say there were gifts. Uh, The gifts were of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Not sure how many gifts that is. But um, I found not long before coming to the Revival Fellowship, I actually found a book that named the three wise men. <laughs> They've somehow come up with a name 
for the three, even though there's not specific how many there were. It might have been a whole train, hundreds of them. might have been two. You know, we're not sure. And there might have been multiple gifts as well. And these people, they were from the east. They saw this star. They knew it was this man-child will be uh, an amazing person or do amazing things. And, um, and, it, and they were certain that he would become the king of the Jews. And we know that um, Jesus' followers wanted to make him a king. But he said, nope, this is not where my kingdom is. Uh, Jesus' kingdom is not of this earth. Um, It was said before the meeting that perhaps when he becomes king of kings and lord of lords is perhaps when we become uh, kings and lords. You know, when we're raised up to meet the Lord in the air. And that's when Jesus will truly become king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, But it's definitely true that while Jesus was alive, he was not a king. While he was walking on the earth, he was not a king um, or made a king. He refused for that to happen because he knew it wasn't part of God's plan. God's a spirit. And, uh, and so, but there was much celebration with this fulfilment of prophecy because it led to something wonderful. Uh, back to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Ooh, lucky. I nearly spilt my cup. It's been a while since I've spilt the cup. So, uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 31. Luke 1 and verse 31. And this here is when uh, the angel Gabriel came and visited Mary and gave her some news, some joyous news. And poor Mary, you know, um, and she, I won't read it, but later an amazing prophecy that she says, feel, you know, inspired by the Holy Ghost, she had this uh, wonderful joy and to be a part of, to, uh, to be the mother of the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and yet she saw him die on a cross. Like, what an emotional roller coaster! <laughs> but she was prepared by the Lord. And uh, it may be that she was there on the day of Pentecost when... Uh, oh, no, she was. It's actually written, isn't it, in uh, Acts chapter 1, that she was there on the day of Pentecost. She laid these things up in her heart and knew about God's plan. It says that a few times uh, in the New Testament, that she laid these things up in her heart. But here in Luke chapter 1 and verse 31... And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Wonderful, wonderful plan. A wonderful uh, thing put in place that Jesus Christ would be born as a lowly child in a manger, in a, in a food trough, and then will grow, live his life, be sacrificed, and then raised up, and then after that he'll, be, uh, the, uh, he'll sit on the throne of his father David and rule the spiritual house of Jacob forever. That's amazing. 
So we'll go to uh, John chapter 3, the penultimate scripture, John chapter 3. verse 1. John chapter 3 and verse 1. We'll read some verses of the Bible about another birth. John chapter 3 and verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. This is the birth that is so important to the Lord. This is the birth, being born again of water and the Spirit. And... What's interesting in the New Testament era, God only commands us to remember his sacrifice. In our meetings, we don't have a part set aside to remember Jesus' birth. We have a part set aside to remember his sacrifice. And we celebrate his sacrifice at communion, which his sacrifice is what made this birth possible, this born-again experience. And we don't set aside a time to remember his birth because that was his birth into sinful flesh. And he had he was born into this flesh, he lived in this flesh, he grew so that that flesh could be destroyed. And uh, figuratively speaking, he laid it out so that he could be whipped and beaten, his beard pulled out, his flesh torn, his blood spilt. He had no regard for that flesh. And so for us to be born again, he needed to destroy the flesh. And isn't that wonderful? That's part of our walk as well. It's the example is that uh, at the process of following him is we destroy our flesh, our fleshly desires, that we're born again of the Spirit. And that's the wonderful birth that we celebrate. Last scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 17. Oops, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Read here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. says here, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's so good to know. You know, uh, we, we live our life, we have a past before receiving the Holy Spirit, 
Uh, we do things uh, with our, according to our fleshly desires, even after receiving the Spirit. But we're a new creature. We start again. That's what God wants, is for us to have this whole behold things are new. Behold all things have become new. It's new in a living way through the Spirit. And this new creature, when someone receives the Holy Spirit, was only made possible by his death and resurrection. That is why Jesus was born, to die and to be raised up so that we can be a new creature, living forever, looking to him, being part of the kingdom of God. Okay, thank you.